1: From the Boston Globe, this is Rhode Island Report. I'm Steph Machado, in for Ed Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to the podcast where we bring you big conversations from our very small state. It's been about one year since Oscar Perez became the new chief of the Providence Police Department and the first Latino to hold the position. So, what has he accomplished so far, and what's his vision for the future? our conversation after a quick break.
0: When you want to go beyond the headlines, let me recommend Rhode Island PBS Weekly.
1: Colonel Perez, thank you so much for sitting down with me. You have been chief now for a year, so I first just want to ask you to reflect for me on how that year has gone so far.
2: Thank you. Thank you for being here as well, Steph. I, yeah, I do remember the first time we sat down, it was about a year ago. Uh, it's been a great year. It's been a busy year. Seems like it flew by, to be honest with you, so taking this position is the epitome of anybody's career, uh, and so I was, I'm privileged enough to be leading the men and women of this department. And, uh, very happy, grateful, and thankful to them for the work that they do on a daily basis.
1: What's the biggest thing that has surprised you since becoming chief?
2: Definitely the fact that you've got to face the challenges that have come through you. You know, you are the person that, that keeps the city safe. So it's a huge responsibility, which I knew for, when I took an oath back in 1994. But as being the chief, you're responsible for, for so many lives. The population, the safety of the city, the wellness of your offices, and it's busy. But I love it.
1: When you were named chief last year, of course you were the first Latino police chief, which was a milestone in the city. A lot of people really celebrated the fact that there was a police chief that looked like them, who spoke Spanish. Now that you've been on the job for a year, what impact do you think that's had on the city to have a Latino police chief?
2: I think it's great. I think, uh, you know, I'll tell you this, the Providence Police Department is very cultural, it's very diverse, and we come in all different colors. In the last 30 years almost, I work with many officers that don't look like me. Some look like me. We all get the job done. But as far as the impact, I think that as a person who grew up in the city of Providence, seeing someone that looks like them made them think that, you know what, I can do that too. We come from disadvantaged neighborhoods. Sometimes we feel that we don't have the same advantages as others. And so when you see someone like me in this position, leading this department, knowing that he grew up in the city, I would hope that opens the eyes of our youth. Is just that they gotta stay focused and always stay hungry for their goals.
1: The first time we we sat down, you talked about your experience growing up in South Providence and how that's informed your job as a police officer. You know, you wanted to make sure that the police weren't over-policing certain neighborhoods. That you you target the individual and not just the neighborhood, and that stemmed a little bit from your own experience. So tell me about the past year. Have you implemented that? philosophy in the police department?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, I've always said it. Uh, There is no strategy that any chief in this nation can come up with if you don't have the support and the proactive work of the men and women of this police department. That being said, you also have to have officers that understand what community policing is. Uh, And Providence Police has been an example of that. We actually, in the academy, that's something that we teach. Our district commanders, we meet on every Tuesday and we talk about this stuff. We talk about the issues that they have. Because when you think about policing and when you're assigned as a district commander, you become the mini police chief of that area. And so you have to know what hotspots are occurring in that area. You have to target sometimes those micro geographical areas and sometimes those high-risk individuals that live in those areas, the criminal element that are causing problems. Your officers that work for you, that are assigned a certain post, they know who these people are. And they know which streets are causing problems, they know where the numbers are coming from. And so when what we implement in this police department is that that data-driven, that intelligence-driven, and that focus on who's giving us those numbers. And so that's what we implemented, that's what we speak about. Since I've been chief during our meetings, we target, like like you mentioned earlier, those individuals that, that wanna be part of that criminal life. And this is a beautiful city. And if you're gonna come to the city and you're gonna live in the city and you're gonna commit crimes, Uh, the Providence Police Department is going to do their job, that's what we do.
1: Talk to me about what the status of community policing is in the department right now, because I know when the ranks are low, sometimes community policing is what goes out the window, because you don't have as many foot patrols, you don't have as many bike patrols, maybe the district commanders are covering multiple districts each. What is the current status of this community policing program in the department?
2: It's still in effect. That's the mentality of the Providence Police Department. Like I said earlier, we're a model example. And I'm proud to say that the men and women of this department truly believe in that. And it's not just walking on your beat. It's not just, you know, like you mentioned, you know, all these extra luxuries that I always called to have extra offices. But it's the fact that you have an officer who truly believes in mentoring somebody, adopting a school. That's on his post or her post. They go meet the principals. They come in and speak to the kids in the schools. They write a post. They interact in the summer with the kids that are playing outside on the streets, even though they're in a police car. That's what community police is about, working with different nonprofits, the lieutenants themselves, knowing that they need to be part of certain boards in the city, working closely with Family Services, Providence Center, and the different partnerships that we have throughout, different organizations, different communities. We work with the Muslim community, with the Jewish community. We work the Latino community, the African-American community. When you are a police department in a city like Providence, every officer has the mentality that they need to integrate themselves for so many reasons for community policing, as well as legitimizing the department and building trust and relationships in the community. That's what, in my idea, what community policing is about.
1: So it's sort of a mindset. But what about the resources that you're putting into it? How many district commanders do you have at this point?
2: So we have five district commanders, and we have two. For distri- how many districts? For nine. Nine. And so some districts are combined. So yeah, we are, we are short. Uh, we were short last year. We're doing a lot with less. One of my goals is to be able to increase the numbers in the department, and that's what we're striving to do right now.
1: I wanna talk about the sort of state of crime Mm -hmm. here in Providence as we head into the new year. Shootings and homicides were both up in 2023 compared to the year before. We had seen a big drop in shootings in 2022. 44 people were shot in 2022. It has trended back upward. 54 people shot in 2023. Why do you think that went up, and is that the start of an upward trend?
2: So let me tell you this, violent crime in, in the city is has, has trending down, overall violent crime. We talk about robberies, shootings, homicides, rapes, trending down for years. So when you look at 14 homicides, one is too many. Definitely we were higher this year than last year, but we were still below the average reported yearly since 2010, which is the average number was 15. So we were definitely lower than other years past. Last year was definitely something different.
1: Yeah, we we're in the single digits. In 2022, Correct. there were nine homicides.
2: I think the last time we saw that was like 50, 50 years ago. And so to your point, I think that what causes homicides? And so when we look at that data, right, we look at how, do, how does it occur? Uh, it's a lot of firearms out there. 86% of the homicides, a firearm was used. And 87% of the victims were males between the ages of 18 and 30, of color. So there's young men in our city that are getting killed, and they're the ones that are carrying the guns. And it's unfortunate, as a person of color who grew up in this city, it's sad to see that. And so that's what causes it. And many of the homicides that happened last year, 10 of them were clear. Domestics, incidents, arguments. For me to sit here and tell you I'm gonna prevent every homicide that occurs is impossible. But we can mitigate a lot of that stuff by having different tactics, identifying those individuals that I I mentioned earlier, that are part of the criminal element in the city. And so that's what we do, proactive policing is what helps us sort of keep this city safe. And in the past few years, I'll tell you, we we have seized 312 guns. The most we have seized since 2010. It was always in the hundreds. In 2022, it spiked up, and the most is 312 guns. That tells me that the men and women of this department are working. This year alone, past year when I was, we were chief, we were seizing guns left and right. And another thing that we would never tell, because there's no statistical data, is how many murders we prevented from those arrests that were made. It's impossible how many aggravated assaults we prevented from the proactive work of the men and women in the department. We know for a fact that every time we see a gun in the city or we arrest someone with any type of weapon, Is going to prevent another incident from happening. And I'll tell you that the men and women are doing that on a daily basis.
1: Yeah, I looked at the gun seizure statistics, and that number just keeps going up every single year. The Providence police are seizing more guns. So is that because there are more guns on the street to find or because you've allocated more resources to go find them?
2: It's a combination of both. Again, proactive work of policing is needed with any police department. And the Providence Police Department... Men and women are doing just that. So that's definitely, without a doubt, it's making an impact on the gun seized. seized. We also implemented some initiatives, crime reductions in certain neighborhoods, certain hotspots, it's helped out. But without a doubt, there's more guns on the street. And we saw that right in 2020, during the pandemic, people were isolated socially, bought guns because they were scared. And so we saw a lot more firearms. Ghost guns came into play. 14% of the gun seizure are ghost guns. 14% In that data,
1: just 14% of the 312 guns seized were ghost Cor- guns.
2: Correct. And so there's a lot of guns out there, and you're right, yeah, there's a lot of guns, there's a lot of firearms. But I'm grateful and thankful for the work that the men and women in this department do to make sure that that number is up because we season them, and also to keep the city safe. So.
1: I also was surprised when I looked at the property crime statistics. There was a big drop in property crime last year. Why is that?
2: It's great, again, it's a proactive work of the men and women of the Providence Police Department, good detective work as well. we got an outstanding detective division. Last year alone, we we implemented this digital intelligence unit. They are able to use intelligence, social media, phones, things of that nature to investigate further. The district commanders, every Tuesday we meet, we identify certain issues that are happening in their districts, and they actually either put extra personnel there, pay attention to what is going on, and so yeah, property crime is down. Our burglaries are down. Our motor vehicles, stolen motor vehicles are down. And so it's huge. I mean, I think burglaries were down 13%. Our uh, property crime overall was 24% down. And it keeps trending down, so.
1: Something that was driving the property crime numbers was catalytic converter thefts.
2: Correct. Have those decreased? It has. It has decreased a lot. Last year, obviously, after the law was passed. And when we hold business accountable, recycling business, metal dealers accountable, and now when someone steals a catalytic converter, and goes to try and sell it, they got to provide documentation. And so in that sense, I think it helped out a lot. Plus also the collaboration between different federal agencies, municipalities, the Providence Police Department, the proactive work of detectives, that all helped. The fact that we stepped up to stay on top of that, it has minimized and and lowered those numbers, which has been great.
1: Recruiting for the police department has been tough in recent years. You graduated 35, I believe, new officers from the academy last year, even though you we're budgeted to have 50. Are you recruiting for a new academy right now?
2: I am, yes. Yeah, so we are. Yes. Are you
1: having trouble getting interest?
2: So, yeah, no, we had a pretty good number. Uh, it was like 400 plus that applied, and now we're at about 122 right now. That As was, you whittle I, the list uh, down. Correct. I mean, you've
1: had in the past more than 1,000 applicants. 100%. So,
2: when so I 400
1: it, is, is pretty low.
2: It's pretty low. It's, but it's not just Providence. It's nationwide. All the municipalities had nobody apply from what I heard. And so for us, it's a good number. I'll tell you this, this is the first time, from what I heard, I just looked at the demographics the other day, that we have more minorities in the process than uh, Caucasians applying for the job. And I don't say that in any way, because I, I, I always said it. We come in all different colors. And I grew up with some white guys in, in South Providence. And they dance better salsa than I do. And like I said, the rise and be is better than I do as well. And so I think it's important to say that they have the right life experiences to become a police officer. But I do think that, you know, the fact that we have a high number of minorities applying for the job is telling me that there's an interest. Kids from our city thinking about applying and becoming Providence police officers. And that to me is great because when you grew up in a certain environment and you want to make a difference in that environment that you grew up in, you have the skills and the talents. If you're focused on making changes in your life and in the neighborhood that you grew up in, that's great. And if we can hire more of those guys and women, In this department, that would be great for us.
1: Are you hoping to get 50 qualified applicants from that 122?
2: I'm hoping to get, yes. uh, I'm hoping to get 60, actually. You're hoping to get a a class
1: of 60. When will they start?
2: So I'm hoping sometime uh, just before the summer, if I can get there, way before the summer. That's the hope. Let's keep our fingers crossed.
1: (laughs) Would you consider the department to be short-staffed right now?
2: Uh, Yes, we are. I think that, you know, the city is growing. We have a lot of events. Uh, And as you know, this past year, we had a lot of uh, incidents that occurred that come up, protests come up population changes. It's a great city. People like like to come to the city to enjoy the city, to enjoy the entertainment that happens in the city. And you need sometimes policing. And, and unfortunately, we have our challenges. And so, yes, it would be great to be able to have more officers, to be able to have more officers on foot, to be able to create different units to do certain police work that needs to be done in the city.
1: Do you wish you could have more school resource officers? I think you have five right now.
2: Five, yeah, correct. That's what we have. And Yes, I think definitely good. It all depends on the principal. Uh, I would always leave that to the principals that they needed uh, in the schools. It's good to be a role model for some of these kids, and whether it is a a police officer or anybody else, I think it's good for us because if we're in the schools, we we have a different way of thinking, right? This is a passion to wear this uniform. And when when you become an example to kids that are living under difficult circumstances, you could potentially change their life. I'm a true example of that. The reason I'm sitting here as a police officer is because a cop talked to me about this profession. I was boxing at the time, and that's how I ended up sort of following it. And sometimes it, all it takes is a little bit of luck and the right timing to be able to change your life. That can happen to anybody.
1: And finally, I want to ask you if there's any lessons you've learned as chief so far. You know, like what's one thing that you know now that you wish you knew when you first got on the job?
2: Time management, I think, is, a, is something that I've uh, been able to. To learn how critical it is to be able to manage your time properly and also identify what's critical because there's so many things as cheap that come your way especially in a city like the city of providence and so you got to manage your time both for the city the department the men and women on the job but also your family
1: colonel perez thanks so much for taking the time thank you steph You can watch a version of this interview with Colonel Perez on Rhode Island PBS Weekly at ripbs.org weekly. This episode, which aired Sunday night, also features a story from Michelle San Miguel on the winter birds of Rhode Island and a look at the governor's proposed state budget with WPRI politics editor Ted Nisi. Rhode Island Report is a production of the Boston Globe in collaboration with Rhode Island PBS. Today's episode was produced by Megan Hall, with help from Carlos Munoz and Scott Hellman. Audio mixing and mastering by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Our music is from APM. Be sure to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. I'm Steph Machado. Ed will be back next week.